Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 73. My name is Damien Ross, and I'm the publisher of the Rootless Living Magazine. I'm also the host of this podcast, and I've been a full-time digital nomad since 2017, where I've lived and worked in 44 states. If you haven't already, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital subscription and start reading the only magazine that is covering what it's like to have a life that is full of travel while you're still working, aka being a digital nomad. So on this episode, I chat with Adam and Catherine. Now, if you're a regular reader of the Rootless Living magazine, you probably have already heard of Adventures of A Plus K, but do you know the people that are behind those amazing location guides in our magazine? Well, you're about to. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right. With that, I want to welcome Adam and Catherine. How are you guys? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. We're excited to talk to you. I'm excited to get to know you guys, too, and your story. Now, full disclosure, there are times where I go in knowing quite a bit about people. There's a little intake form. Today, I decided not to look at it. So that way, I get to find out about you guys as the listeners do. And I, I like those episodes where I go completely blind and sometimes it's cause I was lazy or I'm running behind, but you know, let's not talk about that. Let's just talk about <laughs> the fact that, you know, I like this style of it. So real quick, do you consider yourself full-time part-time or sometime? We travel full-time. Nice. And would you tell me what kind of rig you're living in right now? We are in a 2019 Mercedes-Benz Sprinter 2500, and it's a 170 wheelbase. Nice. And when did you guys consider yourself to start full-time? When did that start for you? We hit the road August 2019, end of August. Okay. So you're coming up on two years. Almost. Yeah. The anniversary. <laughs> the anniversary. Van life. You know what? Here's a really, and I talk about it in the podcast, you know one of the reasons I called it rootless living rather than, let's say, full-time RVing? is I just didn't want to scare off the van lifers. I honestly <laughs> didn't because I think there's time. I'm not in an RV. I'm a vanner. I mean, I'm not saying you guys are that way, but there are people that schoolies, the same thing. I just wanted a term that no one knew really what it meant, but then it was all inclusive. So because you're here, clearly that's worked out. If this podcast was called full-time RVers, I don't know if you'd be here. It's funny that way. Exactly. Sometimes people, Right. So and while out. they're all different, you know, we all have similar lifestyles and ways we can connect. So I love getting to learn about the RV life and the schoolie life and our own van life. So I think it's awesome to meet people who do different vehicles for their homes. One thing that's good about a, a van, though, is it can kind of fit in different categories. One day it can be an RV. The next day it can be a van or, and, and specifically not an RV. So that can kind of help us depending on where we're at. So, yeah. And sometimes it can be an Amazon delivery truck. <laughs> to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome do you guys have those little stickers you can just slap on the side of it when you have to no, park I just joke about that. we don't we don't do any of that stuff well if you do if I, I spell amazon wrong and then you're safe <laughs> like just have it with yeah. an i and that way you're not doing any copyright infringement and you're good to go right. let's go back to 2019 where were you guys living where were you guys working and i always like to get into like if you remember like what kind of square footage bricks and sticks and where did the idea kind of come to move into a van and you know obviously both of you kind of need to share this story so take me back to whenever the idea came to go into a van in the process of it so we were in uh seattle washington we had an apartment i think it was 550, 550 square feet um i was a teacher at the time uh and Catherine had a corporate job but she was working remote at the time um or <laughs> hold on a second so at the time we hit the road um i was remote but when we first yeah. came up with the van idea that was actually september of 2018 yeah. labor day weekend but yeah we were living in seattle in the tiny by most people's standards apartment yeah and we uh we we had just been kind of getting the travel bug we started watching uh some a lot more youtube and specifically like couples on YouTube that were traveling full time. And that kind of opened our eyes to be able to do that because we hadn't really thought that was a thing. Um, and so while we were living in the PNW in Seattle, we were traveling, you know, nonstop just in the area to Oregon, Eastern Washington, a little bit of Canada. We were gone every weekend. So um, we just wanted to do that more. And our initial plan was to maybe we can do this in the summer since I'm a teacher um, and use like our time off to travel more. But then we just kept thinking and thinking about the full time thing. And we were wanting to, you know, see different places and not have to have a home base. 
So, um, you know, we went through all the options, RVs, vans, all that, and we found that the van kind of gave us the most flexibility on, you know, getting to places. You can drive in to towns and things like that. Yeah, and one important thing to note is we have a dog with us, and so we are watching, you know, all these couples that are traveling internationally, and while we would have loved to do that, and that's kind of the ultimate dream still one day, we have a dog with us, and we didn't want to leave her, so we were trying to think of options of how can we make this a reality for us and for our specific situation, which is what we think is super cool about this lifestyle is there's so many different ways to do it just based on even just the layout of your van or your RV is dependent on kind of your own lifestyle. So for us, the traveling in a vehicle in the U S and, or I guess North America was kind of the best fit for us. No, it sounds like it. And, and especially I will say that coming from 550 square feet to a van isn't as killer as coming from like 2,500 square feet. I mean, I, I went from probably like 1,800 square feet, but obviously with children in the home to then 400 square feet with a roommate, it was an adjustment, but not nearly the much of going to a van. But I will say at some point, I wouldn't mind having a van-ish size vehicle in my arsenal for, yeah. you know, like m- maybe, you know, where I can always be wheels up in 30 minutes, not some wheel, weird like prepper way, but just where it's like, you know what, let's go to <laughs> Indiana for the weekend and you could just get in and go and, you know, and not worry about, you know, booking campgrounds and things like that. What's the transition been for you guys? I mean, I know going from 550, but you can still have a lot of stuff in a 550 square foot place and you can't take that with you or at least all of it with you in a van. What was that like for you guys? Yeah, so we we basically decided to sell everything or donate, sell and donate. And that was really hard because I was attached to a few items like our TV stand for some reason, but we decided to get rid of all of that. And then we basically, we sold our car that we had at the time. We had an SUV. And one other thing that kind of sparked this whole van life, you know, living on the road is when we were road tripping so much and up in the Pacific Northwest, we'd sometimes just sleep in the back of the SUV. So we're no stranger to sleeping in sometimes weird places. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we, liked it we enjoyed it for the most part so the van didn't seem so far off but we sold that car we sold all of our stuff minus you know kind of the items that had some emotional attachment I guess you could say we loaded up a rental car and then we drove down to Austin which is where we're legally from and where we live before Seattle and now my parents get to be the lucky owners of (laughs) a lot of our like framed items yeah like random t-shirts that mean something to us and all all of that random stuff that we just could not part with. Yeah. It's really great if you can find a family member to hold on to that stuff because the idea, I mean, you guys have probably experienced this. It's amazing how many cemeteries and storage units there are in this country. We are, (laughs) we are storing the dead and we're storing things we will never use. And, and I have, I think I have like four totes out of my parents' desert house of just, you know, those kind of things, those things that I think I might need down the road, you know, little family heirlooms, photos. But even then, everything's so digitized. I don't know if I will, but it's, I'm so glad I'm not paying like 100 or $200 a month to have it stored. For sure. We kept thinking like, okay, so at the time, and we're still, we're kind of on this indefinite timeline. We have no plans to stop, but we were thinking, okay, if we're doing this for three years, let's say, you know, $100 a month times 36. We're like, we could buy most of the stuff back because we didn't have that much to begin with. So we were figured, eh, we'll have my parents keep it for us. And we can, who knows what will our style will even be like in three, five, 10 years anyway. No, without a doubt. It, it's actually the math that you just did. Most people don't. And if you've ever watched the show where they open up these storage units, there's nothing in it, but it's been rented for 25 years. Is oh, just, no. Those are like cringe <laughs> where it's like you spent $50,000 to keep this and there's nothing in here worth of really, I mean, maybe sentimental value, but there's nothing yeah. of real kind of value. Really smart. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if it's for me to be like, hey, really smart that you're not paying for storage. Plus, I think for parents, it's like, well, they'll have to come back at some point. We have their <laughs> yeah. stuff. So that's cool. Exactly. So how's it been, you know, just for a couple, let's say. So even 550 square feet, there might be a different room. Um, if you want to go outside, you can in a little different way than you can in a van. How's that been for your guys' relationship so far? You know, we, we're really lucky because we're uh, honest to truth. Like we're best friends. Uh, we love each other so much. We're absolutely perfect. So I know it sounds cheesy, but we, we, we don't argue that much. We don't like get many like 
tiffs or things like that. So, I mean, we don't need much space from each other, really. Um, I didn't pay him to say this. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> being honest. Um, but um, if the time comes and when it does come, it's like on the road, things that I'm sure a lot of listeners or your, your day just gets too busy, but if those times come, like I always have the front seat, I can take <laughs> our dog Kona on a walk. Um, yeah, that's really about it. Yeah. Though. Yeah. There's, uh, there's <laughs> I not, I can either go to the front seat or get out or <laughs> one of us can. Yeah. It's not always just him, but rare, that rarely happens. And I'd say for us, I mean, it hasn't been that big of an adjustment because we've always had to share a bathroom. We've never had two bathrooms. Granted the van bathroom is extremely small, but there's really no privacy in this van. We have a little shower door, but it's not the same as a regular bathroom door. So there's not much privacy in here. We're always working almost at the same table, but I think what helps is like, we're usually kind of focused in on different things. So that's kind of how we have our alone time is I'll be working on one thing. He's working on another, but yeah, we're very lucky that we really enjoy living in a small space together because we meet, we talk to friends and people that are like, I would kill my husband if we lived in that van together. So we're very, very fortunate. And I mean, it probably helped too. I mean, we had been married for a few years before. So, I mean, we, we know each other. It's not like we got married or started dating and moved into a super tiny space, which I can, I'm sure that would be difficult. So, I mean, we, we knew kind of, an idea of what to expect from each other. Gotcha. Now the van, how long, like give me an idea of the kind of the square footage or the footprint of it. So it's 22 and a half feet long, you know, bumper to bumper. And I, from what I've heard, I guess like 50 to 60 square feet. Something so small. Something We're not a hundred percent sure, but yeah, I mean, we have, um, uh, inside we have, you know, uh, like there's the bathroom across from the kitchen by the sliding door. And then we've got, some cabinets with a dresser on one side and like the kitchen area on the other. And then in the back is a convertible bed and into like a table workspace. So um, we have some flexibility in the back where we can get a couple feet from each other. (laughs) (laughs) So that's very funny. But I do think the van life, you know, when, when we talk to people and they, they seem to always go between class A and fifth wheel. Like those are kind of the options and why I should do one or the other. And anyone that ever like says to me, I really want to do a lot of like metropolitan, like city type travel, then I'm always backing them up and be like, I don't think there's a way to do it outside of a van. If you really want to get into congested areas um, yeah. or really quick trips, like if you're just someone that wants to to go on the go. Now, I heard you, you, you kind of threw out three years and I know you were saying it's like indefinite. Did you guys have a minimum time? Because it's that's a good investment to get rid of a, you know, a a place where you're living to then buy a van. Did you say to yourselves, we have to do it this long or is it just, you knew you'd want to do it. So it didn't matter to put a minimum on it. You know, it's, it's hard because we spent seven months building this van and the entire time you just have to hope that you're actually going to enjoy it. You know, we had road tripped and slept in the, the car, you know, but that's different. And this being on the go all the time, it has a lot of daily challenges with chores and things that we had never had to think of before. So we had went into it being, you know, thinking like, Oh God, I hope we like this. And thankfully we have, but I think at the same time, we never wanted to force ourselves to do anything. And if we did not like it at any point, I think we would have stopped the sprinter resale market's pretty good. So I think in our minds, we're like, we could probably make this money back if we hated it, but we never want to force ourselves to do something because it is really, challenging and if we hated it the challenges would not be worth like all the work that goes into them but we and we went into it almost kind of blind we didn't rent a van and go out for a week or something like that but um with that in mind we you know we we bought and used some plans of like you know different layouts that we liked and so we took those and then kind of customized them to where to what we specifically wanted and liked and so we tried to make it as what we thought would be as comfortable as possible for us. So it kind of give us the best, um, I guess, runway to, to really enjoying it. Yeah. The best set us set ourselves up for success to liking it. So, and so far we'll say minus a couple things. We were very happy with what we did yeah, still almost it. two years later. Love it. That's very cool. Yeah. I think the idea of building it kind of yourself is, is great. 
but not having knowledge of kind of the lifestyle. Like we waited almost three years to renovate our RV where it doesn't look like the RV that my friends have the same model. Cause that's something that people don't yeah. understand. It's, it's, you can live in a, like an apartment building where everyone has the same apartment, but they don't have the same furniture and same paint, you know, mm-hmm. but the RVs do. Like I literally would look at YouTubers that have my rig and be like, oh, why are they, in, <laughs> why are they in my house? Get out of my house. you weirdos!" <laughs> it's that kind of a thing. So it is one of those things you're probably, even as time goes, you'll, you'll continue to find like just better ways of doing stuff. But to hear you've only found like a couple things that you wish you would have done different is actually surprising, but great. Like that's, that's really awesome. Seven yeah, they, some of them are inconveniences, but, um, yeah. but we're, we're, we're working with it. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the, the rig I have, they've been in business, you know, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. And when my front doors open, I can't open my front bay. I have to close mm. my door to open the bay. If they just would have had it over an inch, I could have the door open oh. and I could open oh, my bay. No. I, I, I get me making that mistake. You know what I mean? Like, but a manufacturer, it's kind of a funny mistake, but it happens all the time. What looks, what looks good on a blueprint doesn't always function well. They've, they've since fixed it. Of course. I think I only got one of the very few models where they're like, Oh wait, we got to fix this. And they of course fixed it. Um, of course. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the travel kind of schedule. Like, so f- almost two years, uh, do you guys keep track of like how many States you've been to and that kind of a thing? Yeah, we're at, I mean, in total, all of our lives, we're at third oh no 30 something we keep track of it but we don't remember it yeah no we i guess we don't really keep track of it i guess to be honest well we do keep track of the states because we'd like to of course visit all 50 states and then we keep track of the national parks as well and i think we're at 37 for that one (laughs) 37 out of 60 we're about halfway on both ish yeah more than halfway probably so those are kind of our two goals we're working towards although it's not like we're going so hard that we only focus on those goals we're revisiting places we've been to just because we really enjoy them and we're trying to not force ourselves to do anything we just want to do what makes us happy because we've kind of found that having the flexibility and just going to the places you really want to go and sometimes you just want to be somewhere that feels kind of comfortable and familiar has helped us a lot like mental health wise on the road so yeah, we keep track of it, but we're not like we have to do this by X date. There is something really kind of fun about going back to a place you've been to. It does feel like coming home a little, even whether it's a campground or a boondocking spot. It's just there is some of the stress of the unknown when you're going somewhere. And it is nice to go somewhere you've been before. I totally agree with that. Like that's I, I have that feeling all the time where it's like we're going to this park. Oh, we've been here before. I know oh, I don't want spot eleven. Spot eleven is not <laughs> yeah, that kind of a thing. You no, know, it helps. I mean, the daily chores in the van and I'm sure in an R V are so can be so hard at times. Like, where do I get water? We don't have to do a dump station, which is nice. So we don't have to worry about that. But, you know, laundry, just finding the best grocery store with all the options you want. So it's really nice to go to a place and you're like, ah, oh, we, we were here a year ago. It's cool to be back. And you kind of get to feel like you live there for a little bit, which it's not like we're trying to avoid living somewhere. It's just, but it is nice to be able to live there for, for a little bit and then be like, okay, on to the next place. Isn't it? I think when I'm doing what you're just talking about, when they did it without the internet, I'm almost like, how? Yeah. Like how did they really find laundry mats and grocery stores and even campgrounds and have to call and ask and talk? I'm just like, that oh, no. have to talk to people. Oh like, gosh, talking to people. <laughs> what? Well, there's still <laughs> campgrounds where you have to do that. Let's be honest. There's campgrounds where you can't yeah. book until you actually call and speak to someone. And I always make the joke. They love to go through like all this stuff about your rig and like how many people and what size. And then you're like, okay, what are the dates? Here's the dates. Oh no, we're booked those dates. Why did we have to go through all the conversation (laughs) about me and my pets and you know, my previous life? Like just, can I just tell you my dates? And then you guys tell me something so weird. (laughs) Oh no. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's, it's fun when I find people that are keeping track, um, of kind of like, you know, especially that like map sticker and I, everyone has their different rules. I do like that you guys are trying to do all 50. Would you ship the van or would you guys just fly and spend time in Hawaii? We've been to Hawaii. With the van? <laughs> Quite a few times. So With, with the van not, or no? No. no. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for us, it's not so much every state in the van. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess it's every state in the van except Alaska or Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely drive to Alaska, but the others, and there's probably some States that we've been to before, not in the van that 
maybe we won't we've we're kind of counting them but we, we might end up driving through them or going back but we're kind of counting states that we've just been to in our entire relationship oh that's cool yeah i don't think that's the funny thing too about like and i'm not saying that you guys have one of the 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 map stickers but i love when people are like what's the rules with those i'm like it's whatever you want to make it it's not like there's some sort of like where the government checks in and like hey we don't really how many hours being- did you spend in north dakota yeah. it was funny there was a guy i don't think i've ever told this story it made me laugh so hard on facebook he uh he said our rule is that me and my wife have to have sex twice in the state to count. <laughs> and he put his map up and it only had Texas and he said, But we've been in all fifty. Oh, I was no. dying. I was like, that guy is never gonna have sex again. He completely ruined it. But it was funny. It was that super is so funny. funny. Yeah. I've never heard of that. I've right. heard of like you can't have just driven through, you have to spend right. like X number of hours, which but but that's that's a new one. Yeah. That's but an I think he was one. just doing it to do like an insulting joke, but it was super fun. I mean, I feel bad for her. That's, <laughs> That's hilarious. So have you guys right. ever built anything like a van before? Was that all novice to you guys? And you Oh, know? no, nothing really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Catherine's father that helped us, you know, immensely, he uh, about halfway through it, he kind of joked, like, I figured you guys, maybe you guys should have went to Home Depot and did, like, the bird building, birdhouse bird building <laughs> class or something. Yeah. Like, and I was like, Dad, you've known me my whole life. You know that I don't know how to do any of this. Yeah. What made you think I was, like, building things in our Seattle apartment? <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess um, to back up a little bit in our story, when we decided to do the van, we were like, well, okay, so we have a couple options we can buy a van that's already built out. So, you know, probably used, or I guess new, really expensive. We could have someone build it for us, which the quotes were like a hundred thousand dollars just for the build. And that did not include the van or we could build it ourselves. And when we had looked at how much people spent to build a van themselves and added up the cost of the van, it was definitely cheaper than all the other options and something we felt more comfortable with just knowing that, it could be a new van. We knew the layout, you know, we would know this van like the back of our hand, but then there's the question, well, how the heck do we build it? Because we have never built anything before. So I asked my dad if he'd be willing to help us. And he was a little reluctant at first only because we actually, so we lived in Seattle, but my parents live in Austin, Texas. And so we wanted to build the van in Austin because they have a driveway, they have tools And so what we had to do is we had to go back and forth for five out of the seven months to build the van with my dad. And so it was a much slower process because we couldn't be there every single day. And I, I would go on work trips. um, And basically I would just tack on like a flight to Austin with those work trips. And so I'd be gone for like two weeks sometimes working on the van with my dad and then Adam would go, it'd be his turn. Spring break. Yeah. But yeah, my dad had to teach us a lot (laughs) and we still ask him a lot of questions because it was such an overwhelming process for us and very hard to be honest. And I think we could do a better job by ourselves next time if there is a next time, but yeah, it it was tough. (laughs) I I don't think I would have put together that you guys were still living in Seattle while building the van in Austin. Like I didn't put those two together. And so that would make it really hard because it's such an effort to get down there. It's not like, you know, a couple hours every day after work kind of a thing. So no wonder it took seven months. That's a, that's a long way to do it. We, I think we say it probably took three months if we actually had been working on it like every day or more hours every day. Yeah. But those days that we were building it, they were, you know, long days and it was during the, warmer months you know summer in texas so it was brutal at times <laughs> yeah I, I feel like every time i go to texas to escape winter though that texas has like the worst summer ever where it's like freezing like i'm always yeah. like i didn't know i had to go to like brazil south to get warm i just have ran into that twice like it literally Our, snowed in louisiana when we were there and I yeah was like, or it's like that it snows one day and then the next day or two it's 80 degrees it's so confusing it come is, on you can't really predict is. it being a weatherman in Texas has to be the worst. I should correct myself. What do we pick today? <laughs> a weather person. I think just making it that only men can tell the weather. Maybe that's why it's wrong all the time. So maybe that's why I said weatherman. <laughs> the only people that can be wrong like 70% of the time and still keep their, their job. jobs. Right, exactly. Now, there is one thing that you guys said that um, I was like, I, I totally like get it. The, the Home Depot bird box. So I am not a like uh, like any type of like 
fixer kind of guy. I've always been where it's like, hey, my truck's broken. I'm taking it here. They're going to fix it. Oh, there's a problem with my plumbing. I'm going to take it here and fix it. I have other stuff I can do. There's experts that can do this. And the time that it would take me to learn it, I'm losing money in the things that I know how to make money. So I had that kind of lifestyle for a lot of years. But in the RV life, there's been plenty of situations where that's not the case. I'm in situations where I can't just call someone. And when I renovated it, I was like reaching out to people and it was so expensive. The same thing you were dealing with. I was like, I literally can buy the tools and do this myself and probably give away the tools and still save money, which was the case. And it was a great learning experience. And then you're also, if things go wrong, you're not as like angry and upset as if you paid someone and things are going wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, it was very difficult and challenging, but we're really thankful that, you know, we did it ourselves and, you know, made ourselves do it. So it was very valuable experiences and skills we learned. And I would say we appreciate the van so much more yeah. because we built it ourselves and we watched it go from an empty cargo van to a little house on wheels. And, you know, every day we're just like, wow, we did this. Yeah. We did this. Our- I mean, not ourselves. My dad helped a lot. Right, I got to really say he really helped a lot, but still like if we had just bought this, it just wouldn't feel as much of a home to us. It's never, yeah. We adjusted really, really well to the van and we've never really felt homesick or like been mad at the van or disliked the van. And I think a lot of that is because we spent so much time building it ourselves and it just is just feels like our home ever since the first day. Yeah, I mean, it's yours. You guys built it for you, you know, and that's that's definitely different. I will say that, you know, my advice to anyone that wants to renovate or build anything is just volunteer to help someone build theirs first. Because you get yeah, to learn good. all of it. And then, because I'm the same way, I'm kind of jonesing to do another one, but then I'm also not. But then I'm also like, I'm so much more confident now because I've done one that I wish I would have done one with someone else and then did mine because I could have made all the mistakes on theirs. And then came <laughs> in like, oh, no, 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 no. Exactly. That's, that's the wrong wood. This wood's not going to work. We got to switch it up um, for sure. Well, let's, let's transition to work really quick. So it sounds like both of you were teachers, which is kind of hard to go remote. I mean, obviously, unless something like a pandemic happens, most teachers went remote, but take me through what you guys are, what you guys were doing specifically and what you guys are doing now to make money on the road. Yeah. So I was teaching then, um, and you know, I was teaching middle school, which looking back on it and in the moment that was, um, honestly the worst decision of my life <laughs> teaching middle school kids. Um, uh, and so I taught there and then we had the van idea and traveling full time. And so that year, 2018, 19 school year was my last, uh, year of teaching there. Um, and then now, so we have our, our blog and our YouTube and everything. And so, um, I, I outline a lot. We have a lot of travel guides and other blog posts we do. So I outline a lot of that. And, um, we have our, like I said, our YouTube channel and I do the music on that and some of the other effects like maps and things like that. So, um, just helping running our A plus K business. And you teach. Oh, so. I am, yeah, I do teach still, I guess. <laughs> so there's a, um, a lot of people probably know uh, VIP kid or VIP kid. Um, where you're teaching uh, English to students online in China. Um, so those are early mornings. Get up at three something sometimes or four to um, teach twenty five minute lesson, twenty five uh, minute classes to students. So that that provides a little bit of added income every month. Yeah. So Adam quit his job when we hit the road and is kind of helping with our travel business and then also do, doing the VIP kid. And I got a remote job. I, so I do like demand gen kind of marketing. It was formerly events marketing pre COVID and then COVID kind of ruined the events world for a bit. So I do marketing for a tech company that has been fully remote for year, their entire existence. So I got that job, I guess I started it September of 2019, 2018. Sorry. I've been there for a while now. Um, so I start, I started that before we even bought the van. And I've been working remote ever since for that job. But um, soon we're going to be transitioning to just doing our travel business full time, which is something we've been working towards for years. So it's very, very exciting. Um, So it's a scary adjustment because going from having, you know, that salaried income with the health insurance included and, you know, you don't have to worry about all the taxes and all that until tax time. So I'm going to be leaving my corporate job in the next month and 
we will be doing our travel business full time. And then Adam will continue to teach online just until we feel confident enough to let that go. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, probably some of the best content we've had in the magazine has come from you guys. I mean, especially the, we're such a heavy imagery publication. Like that's really what gets people kind of excited. And that's been a ton of fun, you know, kind of working with you guys is getting that stuff, but it's not, how do I say this? Cause you gotta be careful. I don't want to offend anyone else. It's not so like, you know, puff us. It's more puff the experience. And I've really enjoyed that. And this stuff's been amazing. You guys have done an awesome job. We've loved having you be part of the rootless living family and, and doing things. Um, and that's what was hard too. Like when I knew you guys were coming on the show, I was like, oh, I, I don't want to, I, all I know is through the articles. I just want to get in and like find out, like, I, I don't know if I knew that Adam, you were a teacher or still a teacher. I don't know if I've skimmed through that or missed that somehow, or maybe it's just never come up in some of the stuff you've done for us, but you guys do a great, great job. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah. And we love writing for you guys. And it's the coolest thing ever to get a magazine with Adam and Kona on the cover. That was cool. That was cool. <laughs> and it never gets old when people yeah. were sharing that issue and you guys kept like resharing it on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, hey, it's Adam and Kona. I, I want to, every time I see it and people post it, I want to message them back to their story and be like, Hey, that's me. Hey, that's me. That's me. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for making him a cover boy. Cause yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he really loved that. <laughs> But kind of with what you said is, you know, we are articles for you guys and even for our website, like our ultimate goal with van life has not been so much about the van. Um, we obviously get a lot of questions about the van and we do talk about the van and we'll show the van. But from the get go, before we were even in the van, we had a YouTube channel just about travel. And it was pretty new by the time we started the van build. But our whole purpose and this sounds so cheesy, but like my true passion is to help others travel. Right. And so for years before we were even in the van, we had our website and we were, you know, writing travel guides, kind of like we do for you guys and trying to help people figure out basically the best way to maximize their time in each place, because planning a trip's really daunting. If you're like, Oh gosh, I only have three days here. Like, how do I fit it in? So I love trying to help figure that out. So that's kind of been our whole purpose from the get go. And the van's kind of just our vessel to be able to go see more places and share more places with people. And so, yeah, for our travel stuff, our website, and even our YouTube videos, our goal is to kind of be like a guide for others. So um, I'm glad that it's a kind of a good thing that maybe you didn't know much about us from our articles because we are trying to really highlight the destinations. No, and it's smart. And I think that's really, that's, that's the hard part. I mean, when you guys started this was the idea from the get-go to be able to monetize it to the point where you didn't have to work for others? Was that the goal or is it just kind of a passion play? And there is no wrong answer. I don't want you being like, oh, we can't talk about that. We, we hoped one day we'd monetize it. But I'm just wondering what was your kind of initial goal? Was it just to get out there and shoot your stuff and then it kind of pivoted or was it from the get-go, hey, we could probably do this and make a living doing it? You know, so when I started our website back in, I think it was 2015, I just did it because I just thought I could help someone with it. And I even was working with someone at the time who was in the blogging world. And that's kind of when I first realized you could actually make money on a blog. But yet I never, it, the thought never crossed my mind that I'd ever be quitting a job to be doing this full time until I'd say the last two-ish years or so. So in the last two years, so we started everything in 2015, not everything, sorry, our, just our website. And then the Instagram came along later. And then the YouTube came along in 2018, I believe. Yeah. And in the last two years is when it's become more of a thought like, oh, I could actually do this for a living instead of having to work two full-time jobs essentially to make this all happen. So with the YouTube, I mean, we knew people could make money on it and, you know, we, but we, at the same time, we didn't know how much you could even make and monetizing our website has been huge for us, but from the beginning that wasn't necessarily the thought but as we learn more about it and how that was possible just from reading other people's blogs and learning how they've done it we we're like well why the heck not i mean why why work for someone else when we can just work for ourselves and do what we love and not have to work two jobs so that's kind of what our thought process was like i totally lied when i said there wasn't a right or wrong answer um but you <laughs> but, but you answered it right i think when people and and i don't know if it's a 2021 thing when you when you buy a camera and you buy a van and you try to push forward to you know create content that you can monetize down the road 
I think a lot of those people have failed because one, they think the success will come really fast. I mean, you're talking oh, about, yeah. you're talking about a six year process and it's finally getting to where it needs to be. And then, granted, you brought on different elements as you went, but if there isn't a passion play behind it, I feel like people fail. If you really do start off with the idea of one, I enjoy doing this Two, it's going to help people. And down the road, you should get paid for the things you enjoy doing that are helping people a hundred percent. And it is, it is interesting that I see the burnout from people that really expect things to just take off. I, I remember, and I'm not saying they were ones that felt the burnout. When I met Tim and Finn, we were out boondocking and uh, their tripped travel, I believe is their channel. They had just hit 10,000 subs and they've been doing it for a while. And I, I remember saying to them, watch what's going to happen now, because that's like a, that's a little bit of a peak where then YouTube's like, oh, okay, we're going to start sharing this stuff too and, and see what happens. And they've just skyrocketed and they really are doing things they love doing and love, you know, sharing and teaching and even showing how they're making money on the road, which is, which is really a cool element it too. I mean, it's got to be a weird hodgepodge of we did this to make money to be on the road and now we're on the road making money and now we're teaching people how to make money. Well, you know what I mean? Like it's just a weird yeah. circle, but it's a beautiful thing. If the passion and the idea of helping people, those two elements are there. It can always be, well, I don't care if we make money or I care if we do make money. That really doesn't matter as long as you have the first two, in my opinion. And it sounds like you guys really did, which is awesome. And it comes through in the content a hundred percent. And I, we talk about this all the time. You know, I would have quit forever ago we would have quit this forever ago if our whole goal was to make money off of it because it has been a long road a lot of learning so much time invested into it so much time and it's it's a lot of hard work and if you're you know if, obviously if you're not making money on it you're probably working another job like i currently am and you have to be really in love with what you're doing to be able to to work you know another 40 to 60 hours a week on it to you know, have it grow and help people. So I always say like, if we didn't love this, it, it, it could have never been what it is today. And also you, you want that passion to be in the content. You want to see us having fun and being excited, not just being like, we're making this video because we're trying to make, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever. And for us, that's not the case. You know, we, we don't even really look at how much videos make. We're just trying to film what we think we, we would enjoy and what would help people. And we hope for the best, but at the same time, we're like, you know, we're just going to do what's natural to us. And if it makes money, it's great. And if not, we'll figure something else out. No, without a doubt. So I decided to open up your guys' notes. And I saw this thing that I liked that you said. That you said that what makes us unique is that we oh, are God. not I hated unique. this question. No, but I think so it's, <laughs> here's the thing. The reason the reverse I want to do it is a lot of people say, I'm not going to create content because we don't have a niche or we're not unique. And I guarantee they are. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I literally have a checklist of a certain type of people that I'd love to share their story. And it sounds like, oh, you're just trying to find a person that's, um, I'll, you know, I'll be blunt. Like, I want to find a black family and it's full-time RVing, let's say, and do a story about them, which we have. And it's not the checklist off of this, like, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're very diverse. Look at us. It wasn't that. It was that. So then other black families could see themselves in, you know, in, in, in this story, in this life and say, hey, if they can do it, we can do it. And I feel like people need to relate. You guys needed to relate to couples that are traveling with a dog in a way. Like that's the kind of content yeah. you guys were sure. absorbing and trying to find. And, and I think everyone thinks, you know, that they, they see the the polish or they oh, whether they're attractive, not attractive, they speak well on camera, don't speak well on camera, whatever it is that it, I guarantee go back and watch their first video. It's probably cringeworthy. Most people delete the oh, first God. 10 videos, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then they find their niche and then they start to find out that their niche is really important as much as they thought they weren't unique or they weren't like the average, they start finding out they are the average because there are people that are dealing with kind of what you had to deal with. I mean, it sounds like, Adam, you didn't like your job. Like just that alone, if you talked about that enough, and let me let me back up to that really quick too because we'll probably continue more with work, is that is your degree and all your stuff built towards a job that you don't like now? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, so, well, when I was going, when I was in college, like I wanted to do something in sports. I wanted to coach. Okay. And yeah, coaching is like a form of teaching. You're teaching while you're coaching, but I, I, I loved coaching sports, but that was only like two hours a day for a couple of months out of the year. The rest of the time I had to, you know, 
teach kids that didn't really want to be there, you know, like, and I can't be, they might have like a rough home life. Like I can't be everything for everybody. Right. Um, so it was, it was, the day job was tough, but after school and before school and, you know, I taught PE for half my years. And so that's what I wanted to do also. But again, there's still kids that didn't want to be there, but, but yeah, you, you have it right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's actually a common theme. And, and if I used the, the name of my magazine and the podcast of this rootless lifestyle, there's a common thing of a lot of people that have made huge pivots from what they thought they wanted to do. And to the point where a lot of the schooling degrees or their history of their work, body of work, has nothing to do with where they want to go to find happiness. And for so many people, I think this is where the term root comes from, they feel really stuck. And I try mm-hmm. to explain to people, when people think rootless, it means you don't own a home. It's not that. It's that you just don't allow yourself to get stuck. Because a lot of people can look, and I had someone on recently that had about $280,000 all in with school and was doing Ooh. a pivot for something that didn't require school. That is really hard for most people to make that pivot, to, to suck it up and be like, I can't believe I just wasted 16 years and 300 grand and I'm going to go do something that anyone can do really, you know, with a little bit of skill set and some time behind you. And that's why I want to bring it up because I do want to encourage people that if you get to a place, you're like, damn it, this isn't it. This is what I thought it was going to be. And you can pivot and figure out what it is that you want to do and be really happy. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I kind of had a similar situation as putting money more into my, the career that I had then. And then like we pivoted really quickly. Um, that last year I finished up my master's, it was online. And so, um, it was probably cheaper than most masters, but still it was a good chunk of money that currently right now, I don't know that we're going to like make it back. You know I mean? It's paid off or whatever, but uh, I don't know if I'll be doing anything and teaching down the line. I mean, I'm open to it down the road, but. And how much, how much do you, and regret's a terrible word, but I'll kind of use it. Do you regret not doing the lifestyle you have right now outside of high school? Let's say instead of college, spending those four years in the money, and just traveling the country. Do you think you would have had a better or less education in figuring out who you are? Ooh. Oh, I mean, not to turn this into a therapy session, but <laughs> I mean, like after, like, you know, I taught for like six years and then college, you know, like doing student teaching and stuff, but like that transition from teaching and coaching to like what I'm doing now, it's like, it wasn't like the smoothest transition because like I said, right now I do um, like music and and um, writing blogs and things like that and the cliche or whatever. I'm not dumb or anything like a jock or anything. And I did fine in school, but I was never the best writer or um, the most creative person or anything. So this transition into what I'm doing now has not been easy. So, um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I get it. And it's kind of like a total like identity change. Like I was always about sports and teaching and now like, what am I about now? You know, it's, it's, it's been tough. Yeah. I talked about this recently. I'm like penciling a book and I use the term penciling because I've been talking about it forever. So hopefully one day I'll do it. But I talk about youth sports and just what a waste of time they are. And I know it sounds terrible, but because they become year round and it's AAU and it's all these, you know, trainers and programs and, you know, it's like 1% of athletes actually even get a college scholarship. If a parent took all that money that they're putting towards hopefully getting their kid a free scholarship and just put it in a trust, they'd have college paid for by the time they get there. Yeah. It's like one of those kind of things that we do that we don't realize. And I just don't think most people between 18 and even I'll go up to 25 don't really know what they want to do. And we're spending all this time and money. The, the greatest thing I've been saying recently is an 18-year-old can get a $100,000 loan for school with no job, no credit score. But you try to get any 18-year-old to try to get a $100,000 business loan. Or actually, I'll even go that further. You graduate from Harvard with a degree in business. Try to get a business loan for $100,000. You won't be able to do it. Well, how is it that we all, between 18 and 22, can get college and school loans. How's that possible with no credit, no job experience? And it's always been something that struck me as there's something wrong. The system's weird when it'll allow it. But if I graduate college and I have a business degree and I have a great business plan, I'm still not getting the hundred grand. It's not coming my way. But I commend you for pivoting because it's, it really, it's hard for people to pivot. They they get stuck in, this is what I've said I was going to do. This is what I've told everyone I'm going to do. And they just get to a place where it's not really what they thought it would be. And they stay with it for 30 years. They get a gold watch and then they're like, why, why did I stay? Yeah. 
I think it's really cool though that it feels like more so than ever you can monetize your passions or follow your passions and kind of turn anything into a career. It's just the possibilities are so much more endless. So it does kind of stink that a lot of us, you know, had those college loans and what, you know, spent four years in school and then you're not even doing what you went to school for, but it's cool to know that, you know, younger generations can maybe get on their passions sooner and actually avoid that time spent in the classroom and actually just go out there and do what they love and, you know, turn it into something. So it makes me excited for others. Yeah. And, and to go back and answer your question, if I, I don't know if you were just asking generally or if, or if I regret like my time, um, I would say no, because I mean, I, I did have like genuinely like some great years teaching and um, had some like really difficult situations that I'm proud that like I got through and met a lot of great people, a lot of great students that um, I think fondly of. Um, So no, I don't regret it. And like I said, I loved coaching and and sports and it was, there was a lot of experiences and times that I'm very happy to look back on. And there were a lot of fun times. It wasn't all just doom and gloom. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, like, so even my parents, when, you know, I decided, said, hey, look, I'm going to go to Utah Valley and play ball. Um, they really offered me this, like, like, we'll pay for you to backpack through Europe. I would have to have done it solo. There wasn't, I didn't have a friend that would be willing to backpack through Europe, you know? And I look back to that and I'm like, dang it, I wish I could have done that. <laughs> like, uh, over yeah. what I, over what happened in, I mean, even my 21-year-old that has just decided to stop playing basketball, want to state championship two years ago at, at uh, Fullerton College and was just like, it's not for me anymore. Even he in conversations has been, yes, basketball is fun, but eight hours a day, six days a week, I look back and it's like I missed out on a lot trying to play basketball. And it's those kind of things yeah. where I feel like we, we've we lost the balance. I mean, I in high school, I got to play all three sports. That's very rare anymore that a kid's mm-hmm. even allowed to play all three sports. And it's just that kind of stuff where I'm like, you know, or – Going to college because you have to go to college and you don't know what you want to do. I just feel like, man, just do two years with Habitat Humanity and then go to college, you know, kind of a thing. Or get in a van and drive the country for two years and then go to college. It it'd probably cost you about the same, you know, in a way. And you get to figure things out differently in a time where you're probably not supposed to be trying to figure things out. Oh, yeah, and that, that's those are yeah, that's a good point. And one thing that makes me think of also is, well, one after I finished college, I did go travel. I traveled to Australia for a few months and, um, cause I just was, I graduated in December, which isn't the best time looking for a teaching job. And I just wasn't ready. Um, and so I went over there and, but I went by myself and it, it was awesome. It was amazing. Um, but I planned to stay a year and then it it was six months and then it was three months and then I came home. <laughs> uh, um, I just, I, I learned that I didn't like traveling solo. Right. Um, so there was that experience and uh, I surprised Catherine when I came back. So that was a fun experience. Um, but, and with teaching my first three years, I was, I taught at an international school and it was kids that were, it was uh, high school and it was their first year in the United States. And most of them were from Latin American countries, but um, there was a lot of kids from Southeast Asia and Africa and, and, you know, I hadn't like been around a lot of people that, um, that were, uh, from like quite so many different, you know, cultures and things like that. And it really opened my eyes to like the, the world. I mean, honestly, because I mean, I just learned so much from them. And, um, I mean, I was speaking Spanish a lot during the day, the usual like PE terms in Spanish, but, um, and then, you know, I would learn a little bit of Arabic and just, they would teach me about their foods and all kinds of stuff. And it was just, that was a fun experience and, and opened my eyes more to like wanting to travel and wanting to learn more about other people and, and, uh, cultures and stuff. So I'm thankful for that experience as well. It wasn't a bust. It wasn't a bust. (laughs) (laughs) No, it rarely is like a hundred percent bust. You know what I mean? Unless you just went to law school, never passed the bar. That's a bust. Then you're like, what did I do that for? No, I I don't think it was a complete bust, but I do. I just, I love when I can call out pivots because again, like we talked about earlier, just a lot of people won't. Um, I love the name, you know, in the sense that you guys didn't tie it to one thing. You, you tied it to adventures and I, I definitely want to come back and, you know, let people know where they can find you. But it, it is funny to me that even in and around kind of this lifestyle, when people are picking up a camera or something, they'll tie it into the rig or specific lifestyle. 
And it's going to make it really hard to pivot there if you just decide. You guys might decide one day that a van is not what you guys want to do anymore, but traveling still is or having adventures is something that can go on for 70 years. And so that's where, you know, kudos to you guys. And if you are listening and you're thinking about, I want to do this too, make sure to pick a name that doesn't pigeonhole you into one kind of lifestyle that you can't, you know, kind of ebb and flow and go. And like, even I was talking to someone I met at a campground who's a YouTuber changing lanes. And I was like, that's cool. Cause even when you change, it's like, we told you we were going to do things. That's why we're in a boat now. We told you we were going to change things up. Um, let's get into adventure really quick. When you guys aren't traveling and when you're not working, um, what are you guys doing? Where are you guys going? And it sounds like the adventuring is part of what you're working and that's fine. But what is it that you guys like to do? I was going to say, we don't really have hobbies outside of yeah. travel There's these a days. Lot of, a lot of crossover with work and play. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting thing being, you know, doing travel as a job is that traveling, like, you know, going for a hike and everything we film, it's work. It's fun, but it's work. It's a lot more work than it may seem. Um, so we, we do love hiking. Hiking's kind of like our hobby that we're hopeful with kind of the, sh- the shift from corporate job to full-time self-employment that we can actually go on hikes and not film them sometimes and just enjoy where we are without feeling like, okay, it's our two days this week that we can film. We have to, you know, share this, but we like, you know, to work out and eat. <laughs> I'm trying to think we're, we're not very exciting when it comes to like hobbies per se. We're, we're pretty like, I'd say boring, which is why that unique question was so hard to answer because like we're just really, really just standard people. I, mean, I like the counterproductive. Of, we like to work out and we like to eat. Like that's just, yeah, <laughs> those that's two are fighting each other. Main, yeah, that's <laughs> mostly the main reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of hobbies that I want us to get into, but I mean, right now, you know, it's, it's mostly, I guess, quote unquote hustle mode to, to uh, get the plane taken off, you know, over the next few months. But uh, in an ideal world, I mean, I would be playing a lot more golf, which any any round at any time would be more than now because it's right now it's zero um but i mean we've talked about like maybe getting some tennis rackets from goodwill or something or um we run every now and then now that's kind of a new hobby so i guess active things active things and for then, sure. then we eat a lot yeah <laughs> yeah we have some tv shows we watch too here and there um yeah, yeah not nothing exciting. crazy. Nothing too, <laughs> nothing too too exciting. I thought it would be that in a way when asking you guys because so for me when I left I was working for an event myself too that I was you know a, a remote contract employee so my travel life had nothing to do with my work life they were completely separate and then all of a sudden you know that job decided they didn't want me to work there anymore and I didn't have a side hustle which I talk to people all the time have a side hustle it's some especially when you work for someone because someone at some day can just say. Don't like you. Don't want you here. We got to make cutbacks, whatever the reason, and you're out. And so for me, when I started the magazine and the podcast, there was this weird blend that happened where it was like, wow, everything is, everything is work now. You know, it's all work related. And I try to try to separate it. I mean, it was funny that I went on this boat trip with the kids and I brought like all my gear. And I, once I got on the boat, I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to make this about work. I'm just going to like hang out with the kids. I'm not going to, cause the idea was like, you know, RVers need to go on vacation too. was kind of like my thought yeah. process, mm-hmm. you know, that because we're always told our life is like we're on vacation. I wanted to kind of showcase, I think I got enough content that if I wanted to do something in the magazine to kind of showcase that it's important for RVers to, you know, take vacations, go Hawaii, you know, get out of the rig for a little while, go to Hawaii, go stay with family and friends, fly somewhere, go overseas, do something outside of the RV, I think is really important, but it does become a weird blend now when your hobbies are also your work and your work is also the way you travel and live. It is, it it is a a concern. Like if I can play big brother is just be careful, not like government brother, like an actual big brother is, uh, you know, just be careful not to burn out because you guys are doing great stuff, but it really can when it's all wrapped into one, it really couldn't burn you out. So if you guys can find a hobby that has nothing to do, I don't think you guys are going to write about tennis. So, yeah, if you can find tennis and just start <laughs> smacking a ball around, it'll probably be amazing. The best tennis courts in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, don't. Don't yeah. do it. No, top 10 courses <laughs> no. in RV parks. No, don't do it. You just play tennis for playing tennis. Yeah. Yes. No, and I mean, to be honest, we are extremely burnt out. And it's not because we don't enjoy this. It's just because, like Adam said, we're kind of in hustle mode mm-hmm. because I physically could not sustain working a full-time job and doing this full-time anymore. And it really just wears down on you. So I'm hopeful and pretty optimistic that 
with the shift, it's going to take as a kind of a, on the Enneagram, I'm a three. So anyone listening knows that threes are like very like work focused and goal oriented and they don't know how to take breaks. So I'm hopeful that I can like force myself, you know, we'll have more free time to actually go use that time to not work. Mm -hmm. That'll be hard for me, I think, because now I'll be like, oh, I have all this time to work now, all this extra time. But I really want us to go do stuff without taking any cameras at all. Just maybe the phone for like the all trails map, but that's it. So that's a big thing, a big thing we're dreaming about. And I keep joking that we're just going to go to Mexico this winter and lay at, go to an all inclusive resort and just eat and lay at the beach. And no one will even know that we went there. (laughs) I love it. I think the, so one, I think the all inclusive is a huge part of it because that was when you guys were talking earlier about like renting vans and stuff to see if you want to live in it. I forget the learning curve and, you know, again, renting the boat, you know, bringing all the food, bringing everything you need, making sure you have the floaties, make sure you have the water shoes, all these things you don't normally need was so stressful. And then to have too much of stuff is even stressful where it's like, now we're going to do with all this food. And uh, I really was like, that's it. Next time it's all inclusive. Like, I don't want to be in charge of food. I want to be in charge. I just want to show up, give me my key and I get to eat and drink and hang out and not worry about a thing. And I think that is probably a better kind of RV or vacation for sure. So I think you're, you're spot on with that one. And if I can't leave my camera, which is hard to, like, I, I, I wanted to obviously take pictures of me and the kids and stuff, but I also want to be present. And a lot of times when your phone is your camera, your camera then goes back to being your phone and your phone becomes, you know, Instagram. And now all of a sudden you're playing chess for four days or whatever on your phone. (laughs) It's a, it's a vicious cycle. So yeah, it, it looks like you guys are recognizing it, which can happen. Burnout is real. So if you are listening and thinking, I'm going to get a camera, I'm going to get a van, I'm going to make $100,000 a month. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Good one, I wish. Exactly. I mean, some people do, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Not us. <laughs> but getting, even remotely getting paid to travel and have experiences, it's worth the effort to try it. Because no matter what, let's just say it it can't sustain your lifestyle and you had to go take a part-time work or go back to a full-time work you guys enjoyed. There's always this side hustle, which is amazing. And I think it's really important if you can always have a side hustle and if you can turn your side hustle into a full-time income, that's amazing too. But just the idea of having this side income that you control to an extent, you know, I mean, people stop reading, people stop buying guides or whatever it is, then that's out of your control. But as long as you're creative and people are doing it, it's a great thing to have. So, I mean, kudos. And you guys are, again, you know, and maybe we can transition to where, you know, people can kind of find you because I think it is important for people to find you because you guys do a really good job of kind of breaking down the simple things. And I like that about too. It's not, here's the $300 bungee jump you can do. It's the, you know, like the things that most people can afford to do, if not completely free within these areas. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think it's pretty simple to tell people where you're at, but go ahead and let people know you can write, you don't have to write this down folks. It'll be down in the show notes or like always you can grab, I think at least the last four issues of rootless living and they have content in there where you can find them as well. Yeah. So our website is adventures of a plus K.com. And, uh, the sticking point there is the plus is spelt out. Um, same thing on, uh, YouTube and Instagram. It's adventures of a plus K. Love it. Yeah. And I, you know, I will, off air, I'll tell you a funny story about plus that I, you know, ran into myself. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked. I was actually shocked that you hadn't been on the show. It's, there's been so many guests that they kind of start to blend together and Nikki and I were, you know, Hey, we need to like shout out their podcast. And both of us were like, Holy crap. They haven't been on the podcast. What's going on? So, you know, I apologize that we didn't have you guys on earlier. And again, I just big kudos to being part of, the magazine. I mean, I, you know, we've had some great contributors and you guys have just been consistently great. And if you've read their stuff and for whatever reason, hadn't thought to go to their website, they have a ton more there for you. So uh, definitely go check it out and check out their videos. And again, I'll link all this down below that you can check it out, but thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thank you for letting us write for you guys. Yeah, we appreciate all. We, we love being part awesome. of the rootless living fam. Yeah. That's what we're going to call it. I guess. I love it too. For sure. <laughs> Thanks you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, another great episode. Big thank you to Adam and Catherine for coming on the show and sharing their story. Now, like I said in the intro, they have written a bunch of amazing in-depth location guides for the Rootless Living magazine that really allows you, the reader, to know an area like a local. There's a ton of work that goes into each one of these guides. And like Catherine said, we love them being part of the Rootless Living fam. 
If you want more information about today's guests or you want to connect with them, you can click on the links in the show notes below and let them know you heard about them on the Rootless Living Podcast. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living Podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It doesn't cost you anything. It's a great way of helping us get the word out. So if you're enjoying this, let's let other people enjoy it as well, too. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, yes, you, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I know you think, not you, but you. Please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.